It's important to know. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale is solely a reimagining of the novel The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, and not the 1939 film or any other iteration of the story. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale Aftermath For Episodes 33, 33-2, and 33-3 Chapter 45, 46, and 47 Of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale The Red Door The Blue Door And The Orange Door There are three doors to go through. I only want the one that leads to you. The words of John Crosby, lead singer of Vast, one of my all-time favorite bands and artists, and one of my all-time favorite songs, a song that inspires me no matter how many times I hear it. This week, there's a lot of ground to cover, so let's, let's just get into it. Chapter 45, The Red Door, is all about the lion. In the last Aftermath episode, I told you the colors of the doors did have some significance, and I said I would explain that in this week's episode. So, here we are, at the Red Door. Before we get into this, I just want to say I did not do a crazy amount of research for this, and this is one of the most pretentious and artsy things I've ever done. I'm not usually one for symbolism like this, and outside of this story, as in in my life in general, I don't give a lot of thought to color and the meaning of color. Woody Harrelson eats green key lime pie in Natural Born Killers because it reflects his sickness. Okay, whatever. I really don't care that much. Ozark is blue, like they forgot to color balance their cameras for a reason? Okay, whatever. I don't really care that much. The floor of the super lab in Breaking Bad is blood red. Okay, whatever. You get the idea. I'm not saying color or the use of a specific color for this and that is meaningless or dumb. I'm just saying attention to color and the deeper meaning behind it is not usually my jam. The deeper meanings behind colors sometimes feels, I don't know, a bit new agey for me. Like wearing a blue crystal because it promotes calmness and inner peace. I picture hippie psychics telling me that I wear this color or that because it reflects the nature of my personality or the color of my personal aura. There's a point at which color theory, to me, 
becomes a lot of new-aged hokum. Anyway, let's get on with this. I had three doors. I wanted each of them to be distinct. So I decided to have them each be a different color. I figured if I was going to have them colored, I might as well go the extra mile. Or at least the extra few feet. And give the colors a little bit of meaning. So... I went to Google. Probably searched the term color meaning or something similar to it, and found the site color-wheel-pro.com. And there was a list of colors and their meanings. I used air quotes for the word meanings, by the way. And if you're sitting there saying, But Tyler, you turned the lion red, because he had gone through a significant change. I will simply say... Okay, you got me. I have no excuse for hypocrisy. The color red, according to the wisdom of color-wheel-pro.com, is as follows. Red is the color of fire and blood, so it is associated with energy, war, danger, strength, power, uh, determination, as well as passion desire, and love. Also, the lion is red now. It seems like it would just make sense to match the door to his color. I didn't make him red to match that definition, by the way. I made him red because he was covered in blood. Each door opens these characters to their original perceived flaws. You've heard me in the past complain about how Baum likes to beat you over the head with what each of his characters think of themselves. I know. I know. A lion is a scaredy-cat. The Tin Woodman has no heart. And the Scarecrow is what Fred Sanford would call a big dummy. I don't have a Fred Sanford impression, and I refuse to try it, so you're just gonna have to... Go with me here. Also, side note, that joke right there, the Fred Sanford one, totally took me down a rabbit hole I wasn't expecting to go down. Fun fact, Sanford and Son is actually an American remake of a British sitcom called Steptoe and Son. I haven't seen it, but you can bet your sweet bippy I'm going to be looking it up later this afternoon. Anyway, I didn't want to spend the entire book pointing out these flaws. I know, Baum had his reasons. He wanted to hammer these ideas home so the wizard could point out how silly and wrong the characters are. Or were. or Whatever, you, you get the idea. We see Mr. Scarecrow demonstrate his lack of brains and even his occasional intelligence here and there. The woodman spends the entire book being a heartless monster, and the lion has been cowardly in that he seems to fear anyone he perceives as being more powerful than him, hence following and obeying the woodman, and eventually doing the same for Dorothy. 
but hopefully I accomplished my goal of being at least a little more subtle. It's here, in these chapters, that we really see what makes these characters. In the Red Door, we learn that the Kaleidas are the reason the lion is one of only a few left, possibly even the last. His fears run deep as he relives a portion of Krista's Black Tower, the cells occupied by his natural-born enemy. We also step into a hedge maze. I'm not a super fan of Stephen King, but I am a fan, and this hedge maze is directly inspired by Castlevania 64. Ah, you probably thought I was going to say The Shining, sitting there all like, finally, inspiration from something other than a video game or obscure song. Not today, my friends. Not today. I'm totally serious, by the way. This was inspired by the now-obscure Castlevania title from 1999. Also, I believe it was just called Castlevania. Go to YouTube. You might find clips of the hedge maze. I don't know. I haven't checked. But that is the inspiration, no less. I wanted this chapter to be claustrophobic and disorienting. I think I probably got the claustrophobia part. I'm not sure about the disorienting part. The lion is... Well, he's a lion. He's an animal. Obviously. But for the most part, I write him as a person. He has depth. He has emotion. He has character. And with that character, he has flaws. He understands what people say, and he understands what's going on around him. And when everything is all said and done, I'm pretty proud of what I did with his character and how I portrayed him. I suppose I might have been able to do the same with Toto if I really wanted to, but let's face it. Does anybody really want to do that? And the answer is no. No, they don't because it's Toto. The lion's fight to survive here is a bit of a special moment in the book for me. After all, a large through line of this book is survival and instincts. This character is largely ignored throughout my story. He's really minimal for, like, the first half of the book. He's also pretty shallow in the bomb version as well. I think I probably complained about this in an earlier Aftermath episode, but Baum really didn't do much for him. At least, not in the wonderful Wizard of Oz, anyway. He had no backstory. He had no reason for being a coward. He just... was. I'm not claiming my characters are super deep, or even original. But I wanted more for my lion character, and I hopefully succeeded. According to color-wheel-pro.com, blue is the color of the sky and sea. It is often associated with depth and stability. It symbolizes trust, loyalty, wisdom, confidence, intelligence, faith, truth, 
and heaven. The Blue Door focuses on the Scarecrow and his traditional lack of brains, and the fact that he's not actually lacking any. This chapter finds him trapped in a room with the manipulative woodman. He's surrounded by death, the corpses of Dorothy and the seamstress, along with the mangled carcass of the lion. This one is really a story in two parts. The first half is coping with the loss of his loved ones, trying to figure out what's actually happened. The woodman is telling him one thing, but Mister is refusing to believe it. He's never truly convinced that he's killed anyone, even when his hands are soaked in the evidence. The best the woodman can manage is sowing the seeds of uncertainty. Mister shows a lot of intelligence here, especially for him. He notices Dorothy is missing her ring and bracelet, and that the woodman just so happens to be wearing a ring and bracelet. His ability to flip the game on its head and manipulate the woodman is impressive. The second half of the chapter is less psychological and has a much stronger emphasis on his ability to think critically under stressful situations. It's also a focus on his physical strength and the fact that he's not strong but he knows how to compensate for that particular shortcoming. The death of the woodman in this chapter is similar to that of the Wicked Witch. It was actually tempting to have him scream, I'm rusting! I'm rusting! Ultimately, I thought better of that. This chapter is very dire and serious, and I feel that cheesy line really would have brought the whole thing down. Even with Mr.'s intelligence and powers of deduction on display here, sometimes he too can overlook the obvious. Seeing the hook on the wall and laughing it off is one of my favorite Mr. moments. Also, before I go any further, I want to acknowledge how silly and nonsensical this architecture is. The lion goes down a hall of prison cells, that opens to a hedge maze. Mister wakes up in a dungeon, and the woodman breaks through the wall to find out it's actually a tower, and really high up at that. Not only that, but they travel a castle wall that leads to a second tower without a door. And after he breaks through, there's a staircase that wraps around the interior. And this second tower functions as some sort of giant well? And it ascends, so they're only gonna get higher? This tower leads to another castle wall? That leads to a third tower? So if someone wants water, they have to go through God only knows what just to get to the tower then pull a single bucket from the bottom and transport that water across what can only be described as an extremely high castle wall? Yes, I realize how ridiculous it all sounds. But you know what? I'm pretty cool with it. This is on an island out in the middle of nowhere and has been 
preceded by increasingly surreal experiences. I like the idea that Glinda just enjoys living inside a grand illusion of sorts. She doesn't need to make sense, because this is her world. According to color-wheel-pro.com, orange combines the energy of red and the happiness of yellow. It is associated with joy, sunshine, and the tropics. Orange represents enthusiasm, fascination, happiness, creativity, determination, attraction, success, encouragement, and stimulation. It's also my favorite color, so I decided it would be pretty cool to have my favorite color for this character that is, at least in some small part, me. In The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, Dorothy is a character that never really has an inherent flaw. She isn't brainless, heartless, or without courage. To me, she's really just a way for the characters to voice their own opinions of their own shortcomings. One of the most defining things about her, in the source material that is, is that she is an orphan. And even that isn't really brought up that much. In Dark Days, she's defined by the loss of her parents mainly her mother. M and Henry make appearances and memories and dreams, but it's her mother that has the biggest impact on her. This chapter brings Dorothy to life in more ways than one. It casts her in a different light. She's happy. She's fun-loving. She's ordinary. Her flaws and insecurities are on display as well. She's not motivated, but it's not because she's lazy. It's because she's afraid. It's her fear of failure that keeps her from trying harder. There's a very familial moment here, hanging out in the kitchen while Em is baking, just joking around and talking about the weather. This chapter is very much akin to the beginning of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Only... Maybe a little warmer, and a little more comfortable, and a little less gray. She's on the farm, enjoying life, and just being herself when the storm inevitably arrives. And it's Henry who is trying to get everyone to the basement in that very moment. Dorothy is fascinated by the storm. This is kind of a reflection of myself and many of my family members, living in Nebraska and technically part of Tornado Alley, we are no strangers to storms. We rarely see the devastation of places like Joplin, Missouri, but really, who does? Cases like that are not the most common in the world. The point is, instead of running to the basement like a sensible human being, she gets closer to the window for a better look, and eventually ends up outside. She notes the color of the clouds as green, and sees someone in the storm. Her mother. 
There's a tender moment here when she gets to see Audrey, if only for a few seconds, before seeing her house being lifted into the sky, before being lifted into the sky herself. There is actually a little bit more to say about these chapters, but I'm gonna wait for next week's Aftermath episode for that. For this week, though, that's my introspective examination of these characters. If I missed something, or failed to address something you feel I should have, by all means, let me know. I'm always open to questions, comments, or constructive criticism. You don't have to like what I make, that's totally cool. But you can still be nice about it. I know you can. It's Dark Dorothy G on Twitter, Dark Days of Dorothy Gale at Outlook.com, The Ordinary Sun, that's S U N on Instagram. And if you're interested, there's a Facebook page that rarely gets updated. And yes, I do mean rarely. There's even an official Dark Days of Dorothy Gale website. Currently, there's some artwork, a little bit of contact information, summary of what this whole thing is, you know, stuff like that. At some point, there will be links to t-shirts and stickers and all that kind of stuff too, but for now, it's pretty basic. You can, however, listen to every episode straight from the site. How cool is that? No extra downloads, no logins, no nothing. Just a good set of listening ears. Also, looks way better on mobile than desktop. Just seems to be the way it is. And if I haven't mentioned what that address is, which I don't think I have, it is ddofdg.com. ddofdg.com. If you tune in exclusively for the wonderful Wizard of Oz chapters, I have some good news. Next week, we will finally return to the wonderful world L. Frank Baum envisioned. Not only that, but you get extra Dark Days episodes as well, along with, of course, the usual aftermath. Anyway, Come back soon for chapters 48, 49, and 50 of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale, Glinda Part 1, Glinda Part 2, and Glinda Part 1.5. <laughs> and you thought it would be Glinda Part 3. As I mentioned, the wonderful Wizard of Oz returns as well. So, come back for chapter 23, Glinda the Good Witch grants Dorothy's wish. Spoiler alert, Dorothy gets her wish granted. Also, there's only 24 chapters of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. So, we are so close to the end of this whole thing. Thanks for listening. I love you all. <laughs>